God has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. God made you with a purpose. You weren't randomly select, you know, sort of randomly come to come as a result of a whole bunch of chemicals. Before you were born, there was a plan and a purpose thought up in the mind of God for every single one of us. You were designed with that purpose in mind. Amen, Courtney? Amen, amen, amen. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through to 20, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, you came from God. You didn't come from a big bang explosion. You came and were conceived in the mind of God for the purposes of God. You are actually not your own. And even more so, when you become a Christian, when you sign on the dotted and give your life to God, you are agreeing that God paid a price for your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. We celebrated at Easter the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that when he died, he paid the price for your life. You are not your own. Sadly, there are some believers who live a life for themselves and they do not understand that they are not their own, that they were bought with a price and have a purpose with their life to honour God. We've looked at the fact that you know, there are kind of two main themes behind your purpose. Number one is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second aspect of your purpose is to love your neighbor as you love yourself, that you are called, designed, purposed to live a life honoring God. And secondly, to live a life with purpose to love those around you. The word love is not the love that the world expresses today, meaning, you know, it's all about emotion. No, the actual biblical theme behind love is um, to make a commitment to something, to make a commitment. When you get married as a Christian, you're not making a commitment out of emotion. You're making a commitment, uh, come good or bad, to dedicate your life with it to that person. Amen? And it's the same with God. Um, I know on a number of occasions in my life when I have been trying to live the purpose of God, when, you know, because I've met with Him and, and I'm living some kind of purpose, I'm trying to serve Him and honoring Him and serving my neighbor, that there are the, there's been these moments when I've wanted to give up on that purpose. There have been these moments when, you know what, it's just too much. Nah. You know, maybe it's because I've got into a situation where it's difficulty with people, or maybe, uh, you know, I'm just not feeling it inside. But then God always reminds me that I am not my own, that I have been bought with a price. And I have literally heard God tell me at one of those moments that, shut up, Keith, it's not about you, it's about my, your service to me, because I'm the Lord. And see, that's the sad thing that we can try and begin a journey of trying to live our purpose in God, and then we'll come to these moments of crisis, 
It might be in a relationship with someone. It might be, you know, that, you know, things are not going the way you want to go and you just want to give up on that purpose. But my friends, you cannot give up on it because you are not your own. He's paid a price for you and you've got to serve him. You've just got to bite the bullet sometimes to truly live out the purpose that God has for you. I am so thankful that I have not given up at moments when I've really wanted to because he's taken me through some stuff. He's changed me. But then the end result is to see more of what God can do with my life. Too many people give up too early. Too many Christians who God has a call on their lives and he has a purpose give up. They give up too early. They fold. And they miss out on the wonder of what's over that next hill that God has for them. Hallelujah. But how do you know how to live out that purpose? How do you know how to live out the purpose? How do you know how to, you know, uh, follow whatever you need to do to live out that purpose? Well, hallelujah. The key to you living out the purpose that God has for you is through the word of God. See, you will never live out the purpose of God if you don't know what your purpose is and that purpose comes by God speaking to you. He speaks to you. If you're working for a boss and you get a job and you're working for that boss and um, he's paying you, but you don't go to him or you don't listen to his instruction you will turn out to be not that much of a good worker. You will turn out to be somebody who will probably end up getting the sack. Ever come across somebody who thinks they know better than the boss? Andrew, have you ever employed people who you're meant to be telling them how to do it, but they think they're smarter than you, and they tell you how you, how they should do their job for you? There's a few of them. And I wonder if we were to have the finger of God come and start to sort of touch on our shoulders those of us who think we can instruct God rather than God instructing us because we think we know how to live out the purpose better than He does. I think that pretty much every single one of us would get a touch or maybe even a little bit more of a firmer touch from God because we'd all be guilty of it. True? Sometimes we are dumb enough to think we know better than God. And then we wonder why we don't live out our true purpose. We wonder why our Christianity has become stale. We wonder why there is no fruit from our service to Him. And I believe it's because we are not listening the way we should. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, God, that our purpose when we serve you, when we live it out, brings great fulfillment. And Lord, that the world is changed by us because we live out our purpose for you. I pray this morning, Lord, there would come a freshness and a newness and a new understanding within us and a new desire to live out our purpose for you under your instruction. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, who knows the plan? Jeremiah 29, 11 was written to a bunch of people who had been through terrible hardships, had suffered chronically. It could quite easily be those who, you would, who, you, who had been rescued from the Ukraine and taken to other lands. That's what had happened. And God was trying to instruct the people that had been badly beaten up and had badly lost hope. And he's trying to remind them that who knows the plan? Well, God knows the plan. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what pressure you're under. I don't know what disappointment you're facing. I don't know whatever, but he does. And I want to tell you this morning, he knows the plans he has for you. And those plans are not for you to live under whatever weight of whatever's going on in your life, whatever um, thing that's trying to overcome you. Because it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. See, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God knows the plan. It's a good plan. It's not a bad plan. It's a plan that will fulfill you. It's a plan that will give you hope. It's not a plan that he wants to bring harm on you. But if you don't talk to him or listen to him, because he knows the plan, you're never going to live out that full purpose. Or if you choose how much you listen to him, and maybe you know you're selective in that, which I'll talk a little bit later, you'll never fully fulfill what he's called you to live out. This plan of hope not to harm and give you a future. Too many people around the world at the moment are under this fear of the future. They're fearful that the world is going to go into a nuclear war. There's actually now a psychological term that they are giving because of what's happening uh, in the Ukraine at the moment. A lot of people are living in fear. We're probably a little bit removed from it, but put yourself in Europe. Put yourself in Ukraine. Put yourself in one of the nations round there. Hallelujah. So, we desperately need to be listening to the voice of God. Because the voice of God is the key to leading you in your purpose, your true purpose. Not the voice of the Prime Minister, not the voice of the media, not the voice that's echoing, echoing, echoing fear. The voice of God. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, verse 105. I love this verse. Those of you, can you remember a song by Amy Grant written about this? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. Your word, not somebody else's word, the psalmist David is writing this because he's trying to express in his heart stuff's going on around his world and he is reaffirming to God, God, you're the one, your word, your voice is the thing that is the light in my life. It's the lamp that leads me. And see, this morning I feel that God wants to reaffirm, or you to reaffirm, that you are going to shut down some of those voices that you're listening to that aren't the right ones, and that you will refresh that statement like David does where he says, Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet, and it is a light 
to my path. Very interesting. Have a look across there. Nicole made a kind of a bit of a windy path there, but it's going somewhere. It's going to the cross. See, that is a path. A path is a way that leads you somewhere. If you stay on a path that has a signpost that's sending you somewhere, you'll get to your destination. Imagine the cross is your purpose, and there is a path which contains steps, steps that will lead you to your purpose. Hallelujah. So think about this in that psalm. Thy word, thy word, not someone else's word. That word in the um, original text means that's kind of like a directional word. It's like a word that sets you on a path. It's like a signpost pointing you somewhere. And then it uses the word steps and path. You see, a path or following a path is made up of many steps. Many steps. And sometimes when you're on the path and you're trying to get somewhere, you may not be able to see too far ahead. And sometimes you just got to make some kind of step, even though you can't see too much ahead of you. And see, that's why the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, living out the purpose of God, living out what you were made for, what you were designed for, is made up of these things called steps of faith. And if you keep making steps of faith, you will be walking a life of faith. And you're not meant to be someone who is standing still. You're meant to be somebody who has a life. I don't know how long you've been in the faith, but your life of faith, because you don't walk by what you see, You can't walk by what you see. You got to walk with faith. Faith is this thing that the scripture says can only come by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm amazed on my journey of faith how many Christians really don't know the word of God. I'm amazed by people in their ignorance, forgive me, that Yeah, I'm a Christian, but they actually don't know what God or what he said to enable them to walk step by step a pathway of faith. And see, to live your purpose requires faith. Sometimes faith that is just made up of, man, I just got to make that next step. I just got to make one more step. I don't feel it. It's hard. I can't see where I'm going. Everything's dark. But I gotta make the step because thy word is a lamp. You see that word, light? Uh, that lamp is like somebody who's got limited light. They've just got enough to make the next step. And I gotta tell you, doing my walk of faith with me, sometimes I've just had the, enough light just to see where the next step is gonna come from. I just gotta make that next one. Am I the only one? Thy word is a lamp, a light, and sometimes you've got to be the one holding the lamp so you can see the next step. That's why coming to church is so important. Because friends, the word is preached to be the light and the lamp. A lot of people, when it's difficult, they just tend to stay home. They just tend to stay and live in the cupboard of their disappointment. And they don't come to the place where they're going to get 
the light. Thy word is the light. Can I have an amen? Like I said, I know some of you, it's like there's an uncertainty about where my life's going to go. My friends, get the lamp, lift the lamp. Look to the light that will shine the pathway. Hallelujah. Thy word, that word, word means it as a statement of advice and a message and a command and like a signpost. Thy word, the word lamp basically is like, it's like someone walking through the dark. See, the lamp is not used during the daytime. You don't, you're stupid if you use a lamp during the daytime because you don't need it. Lamps are for when the darkness is trying to overtake and it's hindering what you're trying to see. That's when you've got to hold the lamp when it's dark to make that next step. Hallelujah. The other word, light, is used to contrast daylight versus darkness. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. You see, God's word chases out the darkness. God's word is like daylight coming into your life. That's what happened to me when I met him. I was in darkness and then when I accepted Christ and I confessed my sins and I declared him to be my Lord, light, daylight came to a man in darkness because of God and because of his word. This is not rocket science. Light, in the contrast to darkness, sun, daylight compared to the night, guidance, and that actual word means guidance to health, life, prosperity, enlightenment, good judgment, and other positive things. Hallelujah. It says in the Message Bible, by your words, I can see where I'm going. If you don't know where you're going, you need God's word. The world doesn't know where it's going. But you should. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know how many times, man, I have, in my journey, just had to make these steps of faith through difficulty. You know, sometimes it's been when it's been in, a, in my marriage, early on in particular, when it was like our marriage was going down fast. And, you know, it was like God needed to give me a scripture for me to make the next step, right? And you know what that was? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, a lot of marriages or a lot of Christian marriages go through real dark times. Marriages do, particularly at the beginning and then under pressure with different things. But sometimes that lamp that will give you the next step is just simply forgiving. Because thy word is a lamp. How many relationships at church how many people leave church because they don't make the step of, I forgive? 
Or they don't make the step of, well, you know, this person doesn't deserve my love, but Jesus said I've got to love my neighbor, so I'm going to make a step, because that step, even though it's hard, even though I don't feel it, is God's word that will lead me on the path where my life is living my purpose. It's pretty basic, eh? But we get caught up, because you know what happens? When the dark comes, you start hearing the other voices. You know, maybe my marriage is no good, maybe it's just time to chuck it in. Or maybe, you know, I'm, I should leave church because this and that. Or, or maybe, you know, I want to give up serving God and doing this purpose that he's given me because it's just too hard and the voice starts to overwhelm. And you hear the wrong voice. And all it does is keep bringing more darkness. But thy word, I don't know, man. I mean, you know me in Uganda. I, have, I must have said... In my head and verbally sometimes when it's been too tough and I'm over it, I'm, I'm done, Lord. I'm done. I'm done. It's too hard. Or even being a pastor, man, sometimes I've gone, nah, nah, you know, nah. You know, when you, when, you, when you hit these places where things get difficult, people start saying some stuff and, and it starts to try and get in and it shuts you down. And it's kind of like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm getting off this purpose. I don't want to do this. You know, I was talking to my son, Zach, last night. And I was talking to him about, you know, a bit of the God thing. And Zach says to me, Dad, anybody that wants to be a pastor is crazy. I've had heaps of people tell me, yeah, nah, I wouldn't want your job. Sometimes I don't want the job. I never wanted to be a pastor. I never trained to be a pastor. I trained to be a missionary. But you know what? It's not about me. Because I was bought with a price. And I was designed with a purpose. Even when I don't want to do that purpose. I've got to go back to the lamp and the light. Because that will guide me on making my step to walk on the path that leads to life. Hallelujah. Can you stand for the reading of this scripture? Hugh was standing. Hugh, you know what, Hugh, mate, you are prophetic. You were up. You even before those words left my mouth, Stu was uh, Hugh was up. So and you are blessed. You got like this prophetic person who sees so much ahead that he's walking like this light that anyway. Isaiah fifty five ten. This is man, when I read this the first time. The whole of Isaiah 55 is just a fantastic scripture, fantastic chapter. You should read the whole chapter. Isaiah 55, 10 through to 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Verse 11. So is my word that proceeds forth or goes out of my mouth. This is God. This is Isaiah speaking on behalf of God to a nation that needed to stop listening to the voices around them and start getting back to hearing the, 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 the voice that proceed, or the words that proceeded from the mouth of God. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Have a seat.
When I first came to Yarrawonga, Yarrawonga was at the tail end of the drought. And we came from a lush green nation. That does rain a lot. And we were sent to Yarrawonga. And I remember actually Norm and Claire taking us down to the foreshore. And we were driven up and I'm just thinking, man, where's something green? Where's something green? And we saw some sheep. Seriously. It was like these skinny, blinking, just someone give them a bullet kind of thing. And, and I'm thinking, you know, that dry and barren land kind of scripture was coming to mind. And we came to Yarra and there was a lake. And it was down a bit. And um, I, just, I just remember thinking to myself, Phew. and then we decided to come and we came to stay. And I remember... Uh, Dan and Joe lived up the road from us. We rented a house and, and um, all around the place was quite dry and barren. But I remember looking at Dan's lawn at the front of his house. And that baby was green. That baby was as green almost as the grass where I came from in New Zealand. And I remember thinking, and we, had, we were renting this house and the front was like just dry and yeah, dusty. And the back was worse. And what are those, those bindies? Man, those are a curse from hell, bindies. And I remember thinking about your lawn. And I remember realizing that in the morning and at the night, the sprinklers on Dan's lawn would just pour out that water. And man, it didn't matter that everywhere else was dry and barren. It didn't matter that the sun was 42 degrees because Dan watered the grass. That baby was just like what it says here. Flourishing. You see, there are a lot of dry, barren Christians. And they are so dry and barren because they don't understand that water and the spiritual... If you don't get that water spiritually, friend, life will cease and death will come. You see, water, and that's why Isaiah and God and the Holy Spirit was trying to get Isaiah to express to a nation that they were dry and barren because uh, they weren't watering with the word of God. See, when God speaks, that's why it says the words that proceed from his mouth, man, they don't just come they come and they are like water and it brings life. It brings flourishing. It causes things to bud. It even creates seed for the future because that's what comes from the mouth of God because it's like water. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to myself here? Can you, can you give me an amen? amen? I'll tell you what we're going to do today. Everybody stand up. When I say, When I say God's word has life, I want you all to stand up and go, Amen! Are you ready? God's word has life! That was pretty darn good. But do you believe it? Hallelujah. It says here that God's word will achieve its purpose. It will prosper 
with overwhelming power to bring success. The word flourish means to sprout with life and growth. All living things, no matter how small or how big, need water for life. You take the water away, things die. Fact. If you as a Christian take away water, the words that proceed from the mouth of God, it will bring death, be it quick, be it slow, but it will cause your spirit to die. And it will disable you. Remember, thy word is a lamp. It's the place where you make the steps through the hard time. You've got to hold your light. Others might not be there, but you, if you're going to live a life where you make a difference, where you change the world, friends, sometimes you've got to hold the light, even when you don't want to, and make a step. And do things where you've got to forgive people, where you've got to demonstrate love, even when they don't deserve it. Because one step will lead to another. And you see, you can't walk without steps. And a life of faith, a life of faith, is made up of many steps of where you just got to bite the bullet. Hallelujah. I want to finish with this scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus was under attack from the devil. The devil was trying to convince Jesus about a whole bunch of stuff. And Jesus quotes the words that proceeded from the mouth of his father. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now I want you to notice something. When it says there, man shall not live by bread alone. The word alone is the word mono. Mono means singular. Mono means like, you know, uh, not many, but one thing. So I just want to say to you, there are Christians around who are living lives as what I would describe with this as a mono-Christian because their life is not about spiritual feeding on the Word of God. Their life is more about the material that they think their life is all about accumulating material. It's about, you know, material. And that's what I would describe as a mono-Christian. And that Christian if they are a Christian, will never achieve anything in the purposes of God because they are trying to live and say they are a Christian on bread alone. And what does it say? Man shall not live. And see, the word life there is the word zoe, which means abundant, which means a lifetime of goodness. Man shall not live by bread alone. If you are a believer and you are just living at the material level, at the natural level, friend, you are not really living. In fact, your spirit, at whatever pace, is probably slowly dying, if not dead. Because if you take water away long enough, everything will die. Note the word, every word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, not some, not a few, not a lot. The word every is a very important word because every means every. 
But here's the thing, we can be very selective as Christians. We can be Christians who I would describe as a picky eater. Where's my son Izzy? Oh, it's good, I can pick on him. Izzy, in the natural, is a little bit picky with his food. I'm amazed at his his wonderful wife, Hannah. Man, Picker wouldn't let me get away with it. Eat it, is what she does. (laughs) Eat it! (laughs) Izzy has particular things he doesn't like. And man, I mean, good on her, she loves him. She caters to him, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, man, I said to him, Izzy, you're a picky eater. You know why he's a picky eater? Because he only eats what he likes. He only eats the things that tickle the taste buds. And there's a lot of Christians I describe as picky eaters because they'll only eat the Word of God that they think they like. And they'll pick some or maybe a little or maybe most, but not every. See, every is in there because it's meant for us as Christians that every... And that's why there are moments, because God is about making you and I into these purposeful people. And he will cause and allow and use stuff to bring you to a point where maybe you've been a bit picky, maybe with who you love. Maybe with the people you want to do your ministry with. And he'll bring you to these moments where you can be picky and say, nah, not that person, nah. Not that husband, no. Not that wife. And that's picky. When he said every. Because the more or the closer you get to every, the more you will live out your purpose and your life will be more fulfilled because you're living every. Because his word has become a lamp through the hard times and a light when maybe the daylight is a lot easier. Hallelujah. Let's do that once more, Courtney and Brooke. Keith is finishing his sermon. Jump up. No, no, stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm finishing my sermon. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. You've got to get up. Come on, Greg. You need the exercise. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Yeah. Greg, make that step of love towards me, bro. Are you ready? Keith is finished. More, more. Okay, I'll give you one more. Because City said. You want to know, in my opinion, why we have parts of our life that hold us captive? You want to know why I believe, even in my life, that there are places where, you know what, the enemy just has got me pinned in a particular area. And you don't want to know why there are Christians who maybe are really prisoners rather than people who are living a life of purpose and freedom. Do you know why? Because here's the cool thing about the Word of God. Jesus, when he came, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said that know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, here's the cool thing, friend. If you have the courage and are willing to walk your life where you are walking by faith, you will find freedom that others only envy because truth sets you free. I've finished my sermon.
Greg, no, no, it's Greg's fault. Andrew, Rachel, come on. How many people think Greg needs the exercise? Come on, let's be truthful. Truth says to free, Greg. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Here we go, one more time. Just say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. You know, God, you didn't send your word to hold us captive. You didn't send your word to make life difficult or bring harm. Lord, you are so amazing that not only did you create us through your word, but God, you sent it to us to live a life of purpose. A life of purpose that brings answers to the world around us. A life of purpose, God, that brings great fulfillment. A life of purpose that at the end of it, we can go, wow, look what God did. I pray for the hearers this morning, God, that there would come a new desire, a new thirst, a new hunger. Lord, even if it means just to make the next step. Lord, on the pathway of faith, and Lord, that many blessings would come in the future through this message. In Jesus' name, amen.